As you know, we've been working in the book of Galatians, and Galatians is such a remarkable book. It's a book that has so many things going with it, and so what we want to do is continue in this series that we've been doing. Galatians, again, is a book with the Apostle Paul, who had such a Im huge impact. Here is a man who was opposed to Christians, hated Christians, putting Christians in jail, and a funny thing happened on the way to Damascus, and he never was the same. God changed him in a remarkable way, and he realized that it was all of mercy and all of grace that God would pluck him out of that struggles and have him a place where he could be used by God to have not just a thing with a, work with a few people, but an impact that was going to go with many people for many, many years. And so we're so grateful for what God has done and what he continues to do for us. And so we're going to be going here, going to our passages here in Galatians, and if you have it in front of you, as you know, the title we've been calling this, The Power of the Gospel, the Apostle Paul in the book of Galatians. And we've called it that because the book of Galatians and Paul are so connected together that we called it that. So it's called with the Apostle, The Power of the Gospel. And so this passage is a really good one that we're going into. And I'll be honest, there's a couple of them that are hard. I mean, there's a couple difficult ones, um, and we'll just... Do what we can, and if we don't, we'll, we'll go get lunch earlier. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> so stay with me if you would. We're going to be going into this passage. We're here. We're going to be talking a lot. We're going to hear a lot about Abraham. We are doing it. Thank you. It's sounding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, for some reason, we lost the video. Oh, really? Yeah, the clicker's not going. Oh, look. There we go. That's a picture of Abraham when he was 12 years old. No, that's not it. Something else. <laughs> But what we're going to be talking about in our passage here is talking a lot about Abraham because Abraham's going to be the key people that we're going to be talking about in our series here, particularly coming here. And so what I'd like to do is just real quick give a little background from last week, just reminding ourselves again what we're doing, what God is doing, what Paul has done to help us to be able to understand the scriptures. And so what I think I just lost my Give you a second. Okay, anybody know of a good joke recently that? Uh, okay, I know bad ones. No, no, thank you. We don't want any. Well, let's see if we get it this time. Uh, here we are. Okay, last week. Thank you, gentlemen. We appreciate your helping us. Oh, it's what? Oh. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? All right, we could do this. I think actually it's an ADM video thing. That's what usually it is for me. Okay, we'll give it another moment here before we see it. We could. We won't, but we could. Well, the good thing is hopefully you have your Bible with you because we may need to do that. So what we're going to be doing, we're going to be looking at last week, and last week we were talking here where Paul had this amazing kind of thing. It's an amazing thing where he had to go to a guy who is weeks sometimes referred to as Saint Paul and Peter. We talk about Peter, particularly Peter. And yet here is going to be the Apostle Paul saying, you know what, you're a hypocrite. And I want to tell you something, what you're doing is wrong. And you're trying to make everybody happy, and you can't do it that way. And what we saw last week, he said, you're wrong. And what happened is Peter said, I was wrong. 
I was wrong. I wanted to make everybody happy. I wanted to make sure that they did it the way I did it. And he said, I can't do it. And so there's a man, the Apostle Paul, had guts. He had been so much impacted by what God had done in him and through him that what happened is he was not afraid to go to a person who was you know, a tremendous, tremendous man and say, you know what? You're wrong, and you need to forgive and so interesting, this passage, what it brings us to, I don't think we have it. But if you have in your Bible, you might want to turn to the back in your Bible. If you go to the book of Galatians, it's in the very back part over there. And while they're working at it, you can be turning over the book Colossians. Oh, no, I'm missing over that. Thank you. Galatians chapter 3. Okay, Galatians chapter 3, where we're at. We might have it here in just a little bit. Galatians chapter 3 starts out in a strange kind of way. It starts out like this, you foolish Galatians. How's that to start to think for the message for people? Can you imagine sitting there in a room with all these people and the guy comes in named Paul says, you know what? He says, you know what? You foolish Galatians. Like, whoa, this guy's got guts. He's willing to say, here's what I think is really going on. And so what we have in this passage says, you foolish Galatians. By the way, if you have an older Bible, you might want has a little bit different. It says, have you been hypnotized? Or something says, have you been bewitched? Some of them say. It's like something must have happened to you because what has happened to you? Now, remember, the Apostle Paul is mostly working with non-Jewish people. Okay? He's been working with non-Jewish people. Okay? And so because of that, he's had many people that are there and that working in this area. And what's happening here is he says about, listen, you guys have heard the gospel You've heard what God is doing. And so he says, you foolish Galatians, you've heard about the gospel. You know what Jesus has done. And so he says, who's hypnotized you? Before whose eyes Jesus Christ was vividly portrayed as crucified. By the way, I'm reading the um, Holman Christian Bible. If yours is slightly different, it might be slightly different. But he says, before whose eyes Jesus Christ was vividly portrayed as crucified. In other words, this is not like something that you've never heard about before. We know during that time, in that time of that culture, they'd often have things. We still have this some, but they'd have signs up along the road saying, you know, buy it, you know, Fred's house or, you know, do this. Or so-and-so is going, has, has lost his money and now is going to go to jail. They would have placards along the way. And so what he's saying here is, listen, he said, who has hypnotized you before whose eyes? Jesus Christ was vividly portrayed. In other words, you know what happened. You know the story, what happened to Jesus. You know about the crucifixion. You know about the fact that he rose again. And he said, you've known all this. What's happening to you? How is it that you, who are people who are, you know, we're not Jewish. Okay, he said, you who are not Jewish, he said, but you've come to faith. And why is it now that suddenly you're backing off? In fact, there's people coming in that are telling you the wrong things. And what they're doing is they're leading you away from the very core of the gospel. And he's telling them, we can't do this because this is absolutely wrong. And so he wants to ask them a question that he already knows the question. He just wants to hear it from them. He says, I only want to ask you this. I wanted to ask this from you. Did you receive the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, by the works of the law or by hearing by faith? Now notice this. This is an important thing. I only want you to learn from this to you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by grace? And what he's basically saying here, listen, you've known this. 
When a person becomes a person, a person becomes a Christian, that's part, that's the work of the Holy Spirit. If you don't have the Holy Spirit, you're not a Christian. That's what the thing God does when he does that huge change in your life. You're, he talks about that. And so he says, did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law? That is the, the, what the Jewish people have, the, the law. Remember the law that goes back so long time in the Old Testament? He, said, so, he says, he said, did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by hearing with, and here is the key word for the whole, this whole one, is or by hearing with faith. Faith is the key word we're going to hear again, 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 and again. And if you don't think it, it's about faith. Okay, and by the time we're done with this, you'll be so tired of hearing it, but it's important. And so he says, are you so foolish? He said, after beginning with the spirit, you're now going to be complete in the flesh. This word flesh uh, in Greek is this word sarx, which is the idea of man or mankind in himself, man and what he does the way he wants to do it, not following God. Most of the time, sometimes it can be used in a positive, but mostly negative, saying it's a man who's, a, who's turned away from God. And so he says right here, are you so foolish after beginning with the spirit, are you now going to be made complete with the flesh? Does that make any sense to you? He says, no. And then he asks this question, verse four, did you suffer so much for nothing? Imagine what he's saying. Do you remember when they put you in jail? Do you remember when they tortured you? Do you remember when you stood up well when people were torturing you and you were not willing to give up the faith of the gospel that you knew? And he's saying to them, do you understand that? You believe that. You were Gentiles, non-Jewish people. You were Gentiles. And he said, you know what we believe. And now you're moving away from this. And we said, we've got this working. Thank you. Thank you, gentlemen, working up top there for us. And so this is what he says. Did you suffer so much for nothing if, in fact, it was for nothing? Look at this passage. He says, you foolish Galatians. He went right through the section. And so what he tells here, he tells us about what happened. He says, you foolish Galatians, who's hypnotized you? Before whose eyes Jesus Christ was vividly portrayed as crucified? I only want to learn one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by faith? Anybody who's there that's conscious would have to say, I guess it would have to be faith because the law can't do that. The law is not capable of doing that. And so he says in this thing, he says in verse 3, are you so foolish? After beginning with the spirit, are you now going to be made complete by the flesh, by the sarks? Did you suffer so much for nothing? <laughs> if in fact, said, if it was for nothing, have you left already what God has taught you? And that is so important. So he says there, he says, so then, does God supply you with the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, and work miracles with you by the works of the law or by hearing with faith? That word faith is going to keep coming up. And so he's asking anybody, again, who's listening is going to say, uh, you know, I didn't get all that from the Spirit because of the law. Oh, you didn't? Uh, no. So where did you get it from? Uh, I got it through the Lord. And how does that mean you got it? Uh, I got it by faith. Not from what I could do or the things that I've done. It's what God has done for me. He says, you go with the spirit and work of miracles among you by the works of the law or by the hearing by faith. He says, it's going to be all about faith. And it's not going to be about the works that people want to follow. 
And so faith is going to be one of the key things that you're going to be hearing about. And so what he does in this next passage is very interesting because Paul, of course, he spent so many years learning to be a good Jewish rabbi, knowing all the scriptures. And so what happens is he becomes a Christian. He knows these passages, and he knows them well. And he can just quote them, bring them down, and that's what he does. He takes passages from the Old Testament that certainly he had learned during those years. And so he uses that. He says, so just as Abraham believed God, it was credited to him for righteousness. That phrase is a famous one in the scriptures. Just as Abraham believed God, and it was credited to righteousness. You know, sometimes we kind of step back with that idea about, he talks about being credited. It sounds like, you know, you're buying something. Well, it's kind of the way you are. He said, because you were credited to him for righteousness. He said, then understand that those who have faith, we'll hear that word again, are Abraham's son. And I'll stop there for a moment, because there'd be many Jewish people, even some Jewish people who are maybe are now coming more like Christians, but they're not sure where they're at. And they may be a little bit upset when we hear this phrase. It said, then understand that those who have faith are Abraham's son. There'd be many Jewish people, like Paul used to be, not what he's now, but what he used to be, who would be very upset by saying, these Gentiles, these marmy Gentiles people who eat all these awful things that we don't eat. And he's saying to them, he said, understand that those who have faith are Abraham's son. Now, Paul would have people be very, very angry with him. You can't do that. We're only, when you talk about Abram's family, it's by one generation, by another generation, all the way through. And Paul's saying, you know what? It isn't about that. It's about faith. And he's saying, you mean all you have to do is say, yeah, I believe, and that kind of stuff. Yeah, faith. yeah that's, that's what it is. And so what he says, he says, then understand that those who have faith are Abraham's sons. That is, those of us who've come through faith through Christ. And yes, there's going to be people who are going to be opposed to us. And he says, okay, I'm willing to take that. And so he says, then he goes, he goes, now the scriptures saw in advance. Now stop for a second. This is a funny, not funny, but it's an unusual phrase. Now the scriptures saw in advance. It's like, it's like the scriptures are, are, are looking at it and talking about it. The scriptures saw in advance that God would what? That he would justify the Gentiles by faith and told the good news ahead of time of, to Abraham saying, all the nations will be blessed through you. What he's saying is God is going to do a remarkable work that the Gentiles, the ones that were so hated, and not all, but some that did, he's saying, you know what? God's going, doing something right now. And he says, all the nations will be blessed through you. So those who have, here we go again, faith are blessed, are blessed with Abraham who had faith. You'd think he'd kind of get tired of using that, using that word faith, but he loves that word, and it is a great word. And so notice what he says here. It's that phrase, keep coming back, Abraham believed God. Now this passage we were just reading the next few minutes ago I want you to turn back in your Bible, if you have one with you. It's back and goes to the very first book of the Bible, Genesis. Book of Genesis. And so we're going to be looking for just a little bit at Genesis chapter 12. And then a little bit, just down the road a little bit on that, if you'll just stay with me on that. 
In Genesis chapter 12, just to give you the background on this, this is the Tower of Babylon. It's when this is taken on where God has talked to um, Terah, and he's called him to go on. And then he tells Abram, who's later going to be called Abraham. And so he's going to speak to Abram, Abraham, and he says this. So this is Genesis chapter 12. This is a famous verse in the beginning of God's word. It said, the Lord said to Abraham, go out from your land, your relatives, and your father's house to the land that I'll show you. I'll make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I'll make your name great, and you'll be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I'll curse those who treat you with contempt. And now notice this phrase, and all the people on earth will be blessed through you. Now think about this. Here's this guy, Abram later called Abraham. Here's Abram. He's saying, guess what? Through you, you're going to bring all this blessing to the world. He goes, me? Are you kidding me? I mean, I didn't even want to go here. God told me I needed to go, and here I am. And now suddenly, now he's going to tell me that I'm going to bring all this to the world? And God's kind of smiling and saying, yeah, that's exactly what I'm going to do. Turn the page one time over. From, we'll go from chapter 12. Turn over to chapter 15. This is Genesis chapter 12, 15. And here you'll get again this idea when he's talking about what Abraham is, what he's done. The, the uh, context is uh, Lot was in trouble. They took him and helped him. Then you have that strange meeting with this guy named Melchizedek, another story. And what happened is then in chapter 15, we have this very, very important phrase that deals with the covenant that God has with us. Chapter 15, after these events, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. And here's what he said. Do not be afraid, Abram. I'm your shield. Your reward will be very great. You can imagine what he would say, verse 2. But Abram said, Lord God, how can you give this to me since I'm childless and my heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus? Abraham continued, look, you've given me no offspring. So a slave born in my house will be a heir. In other words, we're, we're old. We're 75 years old. We're not going to have babies at this point. And so he says, listen, you've given me no offspring. Verse, seven, verse 4, now the word of the Lord came to him. This one is not going to be your heir. Instead, the one who comes from your own body, he said, the one that comes from your own body, he said, he will be that. And so what he said, he said, look up at the sky and count the stars. I love this phrase. He says to him, look at the skies and count the stars. If you're able to count them, then he said to them, your offspring will be that numerous. Us, 75 years old, babies, not going to happen. Really? What about those stars you just looked at? And he says, well, Abraham believed the Lord and he credited it to him as righteousness. This is where we keep hearing this verse about the righteousness and credit and righteousness. It didn't start, didn't start way up in here. It started right here in Genesis where God told them. And he said, will you believe this? Will you trust me when it seems to be crazy? And what happened is he said, oh, Abraham believed the Lord and he credited him for righteousness. That's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for someone who has faith to follow the Lord. Now let's go back and go up a little bit from where this passage is. We're here in Genesis just for a minute to look at it, about how Adam said, Adam said, Abraham said he believed in the Lord. Now notice this thing. It says, now the scripture saw in advance 
that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and told the good news ahead of time to Abraham, saying, all the nations will be blessed through you. Now, again, Apostle Paul, he's memorized most of these scriptures. He says, yep, I know, that's from the Old Testament. Yep, that's from the Old Testament, too. But now we're in the New Testament era. And he says, listen what it says here. He said, all the nations of the blessed be through. In other words, Abraham, it, it's not just the fact that you're going to do this, have an impact with some of the people in the area. What you're going to do, what God's going to do through you, is going to have an impact upon the whole world. Think what a privilege it is to think that you could have that kind of thing by what God told you to do. Now, notice the passage. So those who have faith are blessed with Abraham who had faith. It's a short little phrase, but it says that those who have faith are blessed with Abraham. As he said, that's what he's going to do. He's going to bring it. That's going to come to impact the entire world. And so it says, for all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse. We don't talk in these days about curses or something, unless you're into some really weird stuff. But in that culture, that was a huge thing. And so he says, for all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse. And what Paul's basically saying, I can tell you what, if you try to spend all the things you can that they do in the Old Testament, if you had all the Ten Commandments and all the 103 and the 116 and all the things that you did and you think that's going to make you accepted with God, he said the answer is no, it's not going to happen. It just cannot happen. He says, all who rely on the works of the law, they're under a curse. Because it is written, quote, and again, taking this right out of the Old Testament, everyone who does not continue doing everything in the book of the law is cursed. It's saying, how good do you have to be? Do everything good and do everything right. Pfft. How about just we could do that for the next 15 minutes? And so basically saying, listen, okay, everyone who does not continue doing everything in the book of the law is cursed. And so he goes and says, no, he said, that's not going to happen. You're not going to find what God has for you by you're trying to do this, what you have in the law. And so he says in verse 11, now it's clear that no one is justified. We've used that word justified many times. That God, when he calls us, that we are in his power and by his grace, that we are brought into right relationship with him. It is clear that no one is justified before God by the law. Why? Because the righteous will live by faith. He's going back the Old Testament again. He's using the Old Testament now in a New Testament context for people to understand what he's doing. He said, you know what? Again, it's not clear that no one was justified by God by the law because the righteous will live by faith. Not by works, not by what you can do, not what your father did, not what your wife did, not about how a person who's smart. He's saying it comes back to the fact. He says, listen to this. It's all by faith. Are you willing to trust God? Like Abraham, we called him Abram back then because he was the very beginning there. And it's like, really, old man, 75, not going to have kids? Yeah, you are. <laughs> Who's going to think it's going to happen? It happens. And it's saying, you know, do you have faith enough to believe that that could actually happen? And, of course, we know the story. He does. He says, because the righteous will live by faith. We keep thinking, they're going to put the law in there. Just no. It's all about faith. Now notice verse 12. But the law, is, he said, but the law is not based on faith. Instead, the one who does these things will live by them. And notice what he's saying. But the law, 
is not based on faith. Instead, the one who does these things will live by them. Saying here we have to call on to this. One who does these things will live. That God calls us to continue on and to serve. Now, verse 13 is one of the most beautiful verses in this little chapter that we're working on today. I love this phrase. Verse 13, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. Because it's written, everyone who's hung on a tree is cursed. Now that last phrase we might not like too much, but the phrase as itself is very, very important. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Remember just before the previous passage, it was saying, locked about the fact, the fact that if you're not part of following the Lord, he said you're under that curse. But he said, you know what? Christ said, I'll take it for you. What? I'll take that sin for you. I'll take that struggle for you. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. How? By being a curse for us. He said, because it's written, everyone who's hung on a tree is cursed, like Jesus was. They would go on and they would put him on, usually a thing, and they'd impale him and have it there where people can buy, usually by the gates or where people can buy, and particularly the Romans, to let you know, here's what happens to those that don't do the right thing according to the Romans. And so he says here, you know what? Everyone who's hung on a tree is cursed. And so Jesus is saying, Christ is saying, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. We were cursed by the law, by the fact we could not be good enough. And Paul said, it's not about being good enough. It's about grace. It's about mercy. He says, for everyone who's hung on a tree is cursed. And so notice what he says. The purpose was that the blessing of Abraham would come to the Gentiles, the non-Jewish people. It would come to the Gentiles by what? By Christ Jesus. He comes back to that whole theme. By Christ Jesus. Why? So that we could receive the promised spirit through the faith. Saying, God, the Lord is saying, I can help you here. And what we can do, we can bring this to the world. The purpose was that the blessing of Abraham would come to the Gentiles by Christ Jesus. What we could not do, he did for us. And so he said, so we could receive the promised spirit through, there we come again, faith. Faith, faith, faith. We keep hearing that term. And it's easy to say, I'm tired of hearing it. Don't get tired of it. It's one of the great words that we have in the gospel. By faith is what he tells us. Now, what he does in verse 15, he takes a little twist. And I have to say, it's a little bit difficult, uh, one. And uh, if I don't get it straight and you got it right, tell me afterwards, but not now, okay? Here's what he's doing. He says, brothers, I'm using a human illustration. He says, no one sets aside or makes additions to even a human covenant that has been ratified. The Romans were really big on making sure that what you do here, when he talks about making additions or making covenants or making these things, they took it very seriously. I mean, of course, they had a lot of money going for some of them too, and they wanted to make sure that what was going to be done. He says, brothers, I'm using a human illustration. He said, you know, no one sets aside and makes additions. You can't add to it or take away from, from what you're doing. He said, to even a human covenant, that has been ratified. You can't change it. So notice what he says here. Now, the promises were spoken to Abraham and his seed. Now, stay real close with if I could. Take just a couple more minutes to stay awake and like get through this section, and you'll be all right. The promises were spoken to Abraham by his seed. Stay with me. 
he did not say, and to the seeds, singular versus plural. The promises were spoken to Abraham and his seed. He does not say, and to the seeds, as though referring to many, but referring to one. And you don't have to be too smart to figure out what that one is, but it's but to one and to the seed who is Christ. Christ is the ultimate seed. Just like Christ is the one who come, can take our sin, he is the one who is ultimately the seed of Christ, the, of Christ and the gift that we have in him because of it. And so notice what he says here. And I say this, and this is an unusual thing, but he said, the law which came 430 years later does not revoke a covenant that was previously ratified by God. He's saying that stuff in the Old Testament, there's wonderful things in the Old Testament. We don't give up in the Old Testament. We're thankful for it. But it has been so much changed by the new covenant and what God has done through Jesus Christ. It doesn't even compare. And so he says, the law that came 430 years later, that doesn't revoke a covenant. It keeps the way it is. It doesn't change. You can't make a change on it. We would say today, give me a good lawyer and I'd find a way to do it. Well, there's people that can probably do that, but not with this. So he says, what was previously ratified by God, and he said, and can cancel the promise. Verse 18, for if the inheritance is from the law, it's no longer from the promise. But God granted it to Abraham through the promise. In other words, when God makes promises, you can bet on it. You can take that one to where you want to take it because God is going to keep that. And so this passage, which seems a little strange to us, and there's a few parts of it that are a little strange, but what we're seeing is God at work in remarkable ways in the lives of people. And that is exactly what he's doing. James Denny. He's been passed away for quite a year, but he wrote an interesting thing, a little passage I was looking at and read it, and I thought this was interesting when he talked about what is, how do we respond to God when he says he gives us this grace thing. He gives us faith, faith that we can follow him. And listen to what he said. The spiritual attitude of a man who is conscious that in himself he has no strength and no hope of a future and who nevertheless cast themselves about and lives by the word of God. And notice what they goes, which assures him of a future. It is the necessarily and eternally right, eternally right attitude to all the souls to God. He whose attitude it is, it is at the bottom, it's right with God. That's the way we need to be, a commitment with him to know him and to serve him. There's an interesting quote. I saw another one. I like the D.L. Moody. He's a great way. He said, faith takes God without any ifs. In other words, your Lord, I'll be happy to do it if I get a chance to do this first. And if I do that, and, and if this person works for me, he said, I want you to tell me, I'll, I'll do what you ask me to do with no ifs. Think about it. How many times do we ask, tell God and say, I'd like to do that. And, oh, good, Lord, that's great. But, uh, but, but what about if I do? No, not this. Are you willing to follow me? Faith takes God without any ifs. Another one I thought was very interesting. It was this one right here. A guy, he's from England. He wrote this. I do not want to merely possess a faith. I want a faith that possesses me. Think about that. I do not want merely a possess, to possess a faith. I want a faith that possesses me. I want God to be in my life, full of my life. I want to be the man or woman he wants me to be, to recognize what he's done, 
what he's doing, what he's still doing today, and what he's going to continue to the day till that day when Jesus says, well done, good and faithful servant. Come and be with me forever. Lord, we're thankful for this passage. We recognize it's got some hard things for us, but it is your word, and for that we honor it. We ask that you'd help us to be able to hear the good news of the gospel and that we would understand it and help to be able to help other people to understand your good work. Lord, we thank you for faith. Thank you for the faith we have of knowing that we have a great Savior, that we can count on you. And we're so thankful and so grateful for all that you've done. Amen.